Hello everyone and welcome back to the 343 Football Podcast. It's the familiar four here with your host Jaffa and I'm joined again by Daud, Ali and Khudama. Is everyone alright? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, all good. Uh, just thought to start a new, a new little thing for us in the podcast this week. Uh, you know, just a small icebreaker. Uh, I want to test your football knowledge, lads. I mean, you know, this podcast is all about us talking about football and you'd like to think the four of us are pretty knowledgeable on the topic. Um, so it's going to be a small trivia question I'm going to ask you. And if no one knows the answer straight away, don't worry, listener. We're not going to be spending 10 minutes of silence while they're thinking. So I'll I'll get straight into the question. Now, we will say that the league we follow the most is the Premier League primarily. Yes, we're all interested in European football. But I've got a Premier League question for you first. And I'm talking about the very first Premier League season. Can you tell me who finished top scorer? So who won the golden boot in the very first Premier League season in 1992 93. Does anyone know the answer? No, but can I give it? <laughs> no. Can I give um, a guess quickly? Yeah, go on. Don't know if it's going to be right or not, but. Um, Teddy Sheringham. I was going to say Ian Wright, actually. Well, Dowd, you've nailed it. Teddy Sheringham is the correct answer. So oh, you, damn. There's not going to be any suspense. Teddy Sheringham, damn. <laughs> I feel like, I, I like Dowd might have low key Googled that in the background, but we can't really prove anything. So, I'll, I'll tell you how I, I, I didn't because I've got I've got cherry keys, you know the mechanical keyboard. I don't know if you heard that. I don't know. So if I, I, I wouldn't be able to get away with it. Can right. you do it on your phone? No, I, I can't. I can do it on my phone. iPad? I don't know. Just making a different I, way. It was pretty it. quick. Like I don't think I don't know. Like I, I don't think you can Google something that quick. Oh, you can. Man. You can. It's okay, I don't know. I, I, think, you. I think Jaff will. Um, attest to this that my my football knowledge is weirdly very specific and especially in the early days of the Premier League uh, I can come up with the weirdest uh, most specific you know stats and then I, I can't remember the, the most basic stuff well all right what we'll do is we'll trust you because there's going to be an honor code and the way we'll do it is I'll give two points per correct answer every week so Dawood is leading the March tally with two points and we'll see if uh, Ali and Qadama can respond next week now, we're going from someone who scored loads of goals in a season and we're going to talk about a team who, when the big matches come around, aren't scoring any goals because the first topic I want to dive into is the Man United against Chelsea match over the weekend. Now, Man United have developed a habit of drawing nil-nil in lots of the games between the top six with the notable exception of getting smashed 6-1 by Tottenham and by Jose Mourinho, or Jose Mourinho, I should say. I know that we all you know, had a keen interest in this match and I always like to come to the fan of the team that was playing, so... Uh, that would give us a little bit of a, not necessarily a review of the match, because obviously it was a little bit dull, but w- why do you think that Man United matches against top six opposition are so cagey and low scoring? Well, I, I think um, partly it, it's probably Oli trying to play it safe. Um, and those big matches are probably something that he'll want to take away to the board and say, look, we're doing... We're doing pretty all right in terms of we're evenly matched against these top teams. When when it comes to the big matches, our boys are showing something worth it, and I just need some more some more time. I probably need a play or two to push us over the line, and that's what I'm thinking. Where he's at, obviously the six one is is a, a complete shambles. It's it's one one of those results uh, in a in a blue moon. Um, but yeah, generally what what he's he's trying to do is. Um, get that late uh, grab um, of a goal, 
Or you know what 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 did Silas Ferguson used to do? He used to play on the counter. Um, the, the the I think what that's what Ollie wants to do. However, we're not doing that greatly. So that's something that he's trying to perfect, and that he's probably setting up the team to do that, but failing. And he's not he's not doing great on that on that side. But when he's playing in the Champions League, he it's it's a bit more of a even fifty fifty. Either we're going to win the match, or we're going to lose it, and we're going to lose it horribly. Um. But yeah, on that, in terms of what happened with the match, I think the big talking point is, and I'll, I'll go to you guys about it uh, after the full assessment, um, is obviously the penalty, if it was a penalty, if it wasn't a penalty. Um, I, but apart from that, I, I think it's an it's a, it's a even score. Um, it, it's a fair score, sorry. Um, both teams made reasonable amount of chances, relatively a very boring match in my eyes. Um Chelsea initially were playing amazing passing football, really, really comfortable on the ball, really good in terms of uh, bringing the ball forward, trying to attack. Um, they had more convincing attacks, whereas United, I, I don't know what it is. There was a, this a figure stat out on, on Reddit about how many shots we've had and how many goals we've uh, converted. And it's like 49 shots or and seven goals, something crazy. Uh, and yet the only... You know, we, we we couldn't we couldn't even uh, make a decent chance to score a goal. So I think Man United fans will be hard done by because of the penalty. But realistically, we we didn't really deserve to win. I think it's a fair outcome for both teams. Yeah. Um. So yeah. In 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 terms of the penalty, what what did you guys think? There's a penalty for me. Yeah, I, I thought so as well. But you guys, what were you guys? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it probably probably was. Uh, I didn't really want it to be like it's not what I wanted to to see. Um, so I'm kind of glad the decision went against Manchester United. I can't lie, my biases were happy. But overall, you know, if you take that, um, if you take that incident out of it, and to be fair, Man United have been a bit lucky against Chelsea in the past. Remember that, um, you know, that challenge on Aspilicueta last season as well by Maguire. So, you know, yeah. maybe it was just a, universe correcting itself. What I'm trying to say is ever since that home game against Tottenham where they lost 6-1 uh, you know Solskjaer is just too afraid to open up too much in, in big games and it's obviously he's just uh, suffocating his attack. I mean you know you kind of expect I think Man United are the highest scoring team in the Premier League this season but when it comes to the big games you can tell that Solskjaer is just telling them to ease off a bit. He's, he's afraid to open up and it leads to pretty boring football to watch and, you know, even worse scores because you know, a team like Manchester United, they don't just have aspirations of maintaining, you know, a Champions League spot. They ultimately want to challenge for titles again. And, you know, long may this drought continue, but it's never going to happen with, uh, you know, poor performances against your, your top rivals in the league, really. Definitely. Daoud, can I ask yeah. you something? Right. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying he's a crap player or anything. I think he's a quality player, but you know, you know, Bruno, Bruno Fernandes, right? Do you it's think been a bit quiet in the last few games? Yeah, no, no. It's it's when it comes to the big games. So what I what I was thinking, I was there thinking, which player does he remind me of? You know, he, he bullies the smaller teams, but when it comes to the big games, he kind of like he he, he, he kind of bottles it. And the FA Cup game against Liverpool is obviously an exception, but normally he does bottle the big games. Like, does he have that comparison to Mesut Ozil? Maybe I don't know because. Um, also did the same thing. He bottled the big games, but he dominated the smaller clubs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I feel like Bruno. He's been a, a bit of a quiet one, but he's allowed to ha- be quiet for how much you know how much he's done uh, since he's come on. No, but what I'm trying but, to say is he's he's quiet against the big six or the so-called big six or whatnot. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, yeah, I don't, you, think, you, I don't think you can. Sorry, Dad, like I don't think you can refute that. To be honest, I mean, he's only got one goal against the you know so-called big six this season. 
in that game in a 6-1 defeat against Tottenham. So, you know, like the the stats speak for themselves. He's, I don't I don't want to say he's a flat track bully, but he's definitely starting to gain that reputation and feel like he needs to start performing in the big game soon because you know when the when the big games come, it's it's the chance for the uh, you know the top players in your squad to really really drive everyone forward and set an example. And if your best performer in the season falls you know falls short in the big games, then you can't really. Um, you, you have to start asking the questions about him, and you know, asking more from him. And I don't know how you I, feel I, about him. Obviously, I, that's quite I, conflicting. I don't know. Like, there's there's other superstars like Rashford, who honestly horrible game for him. Um, I was watching him play. Uh, honestly, Greenwood was trying so much more than what Rashford was doing. Yes, there was loads of wayward passes from Bruno. It was really uncharacteristic of him. Um, Cavani didn't come on properly. Well, he didn't have enough time. Uh, I can't remember if he did come on uh, uh, and try and think back on it now. Uh, Luke Shaw uh, was uh, muted compared to how he's been playing pre- previously. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a, there's more people in the team that weren't really performing um, that should be performing. I mean, Martial came on and I and he, he's got a good track record against Chelsea, but he sometimes I, I I'm looking at him and I don't I don't think he could do anything I don't think he could do more than um, Greenwood could do or um, James could do I just I don't and uh, to be honest with you I, I, I'm still not convinced on Daniel James I, I I feel like he's got loads of pace yes but some I, I've seen him on one-on-ones it's a 50-50 he doesn't win all of them and I, I feel like if we've signed him as a speedy Gonzalez roadrunner um, he should be winning all his one-on-ones outpacing everybody yet he doesn't and I don't know if it's the way he dribbles or he's actually not that fast and he looks a lot faster on you know on the pitch than he is in real life because you know we've had plenty of players who look a lot slower um on visually but actually are really really fast but one one example being Paul Pogba another example being Yaya Toure uh, whereas Bruno it shouldn't be all all on his um on his shoulders Bruno's been class this season he's scored 15 goals Ten assists, yes, a lot of them have been pens, um, but he, I, I don't think I, I think we could get we can give him a lot of leeway in that sense. But I think the other superstars that are supposed to be in the Man United team need to step up. All right, I mean that's a, a good summation of the Man United issues of the match. What about Chelsea? I'll, I'll come to you, Kudama. Obviously, their situation is a little bit different because uh, you know Thomas Tuchel is still a, relatively new to the job, so he hasn't had enough time you know to mold the team in his image but w- were you impressed by what you saw from Chelsea or do you think that um you know th- they've still got a long way to go to progress as a team based on the you know just just on that match alone really it was difficult for them to really do anything against the way man united uh, set up i mean they were the home team they did try to be a bit more positive i thought they were pretty poor in the first half especially and then you know they came out in the second half tuchel's obviously you know had a go at them or maybe like you know demanded more of them at half time and you know they had they had a few chances. I think it was um, was it Giroud that re- that should have scored one. I can't remember uh, who the chance fell to. But yeah, overall, I think Tuchel right now has seemed to prioritize defensive stability first. And you know the attack is a bit lacking, as we already know. Even even though they spent so much money, I thought Ziyech had a particularly poor game. And uh, and Giroud is a scorer of uh, of great goals, but not a great scorer of goals. So going forward, I think. 
they'll probably look to bring a striker in. I don't really know how much more you could really say about Chelsea that game. I, I feel like it was just a, a very average performance that, you know, was enough to get them point. But really, they were never looking too threatening to uh, to ever take the three points that on the day. Yeah, I think they've, they've got a long way to go. I feel like Chelsea now, by changing managers, it's going to be difficult to judge them. Obviously, they're still in the Champions League and maybe the, uh, Thomas Tuchel will grow into a... Uh, you know, a manager where you might be able to judge them on a Champions League run, you never know. But th- they really needed the the, the, um, the three points because the race for the Champions League is, is incredible, uh, really. I know that the title race is pretty much done and dusted. You know, nobody's even looking at that. But there's so many teams uh, in the cluster for fourth place. And I think they missed an opportunity there to take, you know, points off your rivals at the same time as uh, advancing up the league. Um, so we'll see how things go in the top four race in, in, in the coming weeks. But once again, I, I just feel like uh, matches that involve Man United, I never want to watch them anyway, and especially the big matches these days, because you're not really guaranteed to see much that excites you. Now, one bit of news that you can call it exciting, I suppose, because it came out of left field, but, uh, you know, Barcelona have been in the headlines uh, because, uh, you know, their president, or shall I say former president, Josep Maria Bartomeu, was arrested this week. Now, it, was, it wasn't just him, it was one of four arrests in what the police called an investigation into alleged crimes related to property and socio-economic order. Obviously, that's a very fancy sentence, as they as, as they put it, uh, and it's not very good for the image of the uh, of the club Barcelona. So, I sort of want to pitch to you guys, not necessarily about you know the reasons that the you know the arrests were made, but more about you know where does this leave Barcelona as a club? This this club that was so dominant when Guardiola took over, and you know were successful anyway, even before the Pep era. Um, are we seeing possibly the decline of a club uh, in terms of the coming years? Like, can you see Barcelona sort of falling to an Arsenal standard decline, or are they simply too big? Just, just with the context of this scandal, I'll come to you, Ali, on this one. What's your thoughts uh, on the situation? Man, Barcelona can be dropping down like flies. Never mind Arsenal, man. They could be what Leeds United were years ago, Portsmouth possibly. Um, if you look, at it, the reason why I think that is because they're in a lot of debt as well. Look at the amount of debt they're in. You know, you know the players they've brought in, like Coutinho, Dembele, Griezmann. They spent they spent their money really badly, and they want to talk about you know the actual club. Want to talk about the Barcelona way? I just don't see it. I just see it as a rip off Real Madrid. You know, at least Real Madrid say, yeah, we spend the most money and we are the Galacticos. And Barcelona just got themselves in debt, and obviously the Reina Bartomeu just did not go well at all, did it? Let's be honest. And now with the whole with this alleged scandal and with Messi so-called leaving the club possibly in the future, you know, what's going to happen to, you know, arguably one of the greatest football clubs ever? I think the Portsmouth uh, comparisons, I understand why you're saying it because the way you explained it, you're right. It, it looks like it could potentially be incredibly disastrous, but obviously there, there are certain sort of levels that you can fall to and, and the Portsmouth level was falling two divisions uh, <laughs> in the English period. I don't I don't think I can see Barcelona in the third division. Of yeah, but, but they're in debt. Then they, on top of that, they want to obviously restructure the new camp as well, like housing, get all this funding, you know, in a, especially with the global pandemic right now. Yeah. They're screwed. Yeah, I think I feel like the, the, their only potential hope of, of like a saving grace really would be to be able to churn out academy talent that will be ready for the first team or be able to sell them on for profit to invest in the first team as well. Because, um, you know, in terms of them buying their own players at the moment, if you look at the amount of money that's not really paid off for them in recent years, like let's talk about the Coutinho transfer first of all. I mean, bloody hell. Talk talk about a minimalistic return uh, for such a large sum. I mean, 
the, the most significant impact of that transfer was watching him score against them as they were humiliated in the Champions League. That's just oh, no. like yeah. that's just painful to think about if I was a Barcelona fan. But but it's not just those transfers, it's like the little tiny ones like Andre Gomes, who's at Everton right now, these little ones, Yerry Mina, and like these other little transfers. Obviously, the add up, obviously, they've made like the tra- they sold them on, but like it's still an inconvenience. You know, I'm pretty sure who is that um, defender who paired up with PK in the 2014 2015 season, not Mascarano. He was, he, I can't remember if he was ginger, but he was Baldy. Jeremy, yeah, him. Yeah, like, like it was useless. It was, it, it was really bad the way they spent the money. Like, they could be a bit more sensible. Marlin at one point. <laughs> I know he's yeah, a yeah for Marlin, but exactly like for Marlin, like it was twelve, thirteen million from Arsenal. Arsenal Wenger was like shaking his hands, like, "Thank God I can get rid of this guy." I mean, for what it's worth, I think for Marlin was was all right for them. It was just you know another injury plagued player that really didn't work, like play enough to justify his his transfer fee. I think really Barcelona now are at the nexus of. You know their their future. They're standing at a point now where the decisions they make here will shape the club for years to come. So either this new you know board comes in and manages to you know uh, steer the ship in, and head it towards the right direction, or they could be facing you know mediocrity for the foreseeable future until they can somehow and and they will. I mean the club stadiums you know they will always fill it out and their finances will probably recover eventually. I think it's more likely to be a Liverpool, isn't it? Like the the downfall of Liverpool uh, for a couple of years, and I think it's going to take uh, someone with real vision to bring it back. And it it, it seemed like the the upper echelons of uh, Barcelona had you know had everything under control to to some extent and. You know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and a lot of their a lot of their signings were were, were losing, and obviously with everything going on with the the allegations of Artemio, um, he left in October, didn't he? And they've got an interim president in the meanwhile, and they're still trying to fight on the new president, and nearly every, I think nearly every single president, that, well, potential president has said, um, if, if I get voted, I will make Messi stay. Messi is everything that we want. Barcelona Football Club to be, and you know, use the La Masia Academy, and all the all the dead weight will be shifted, and uh, you know, uh, they're still, I think, too fixated on Messi. Yeah, but there's a reason behind that. Down, you look globally, and you look at com- the commercial it's side. Only of things, working for him. Yeah, but if you look in at the terms of you on the pitch. Yeah, but doubt what I'm trying to say is from a commercial side of things. Probably uh, apart from the city of Barcelona, you know, obviously it's a, it's, it's a global club, right? Maybe it's half like majority of the support Barcelona because of Messi. Maybe they might start changing allegiances and go to Man- wherever Messi goes. You know, that's a big thing. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I don't Maybe think that's uh, global fans. <laughs> I mean, Ali's probably right that there will definitely be those kind of bandwagon like, casuals. Like, look at these filthy animals which start support Manchester United because they see a couple of good years. You know what I mean? Like these things happen. Come on, man. Like, if you want any proof, really, you can just follow the Ronaldo trajectory because. Uh, Man United fans became Real Madrid fans, who became Juventus fans, basically following him around uh, because he's such a popular, you know, footballing icon. So I do agree, but I think that's probably the least of uh, Barcelona's worries. Because yes, when when uh, Messi leaves, the club's going to change a lot. You know, he he was basically the reason, even in their sort of average years, that they ended up winning a league title or a Copa del Rey here and there. Um, you know, he, he's he's never been enough on his own to carry them to the Champions League. To be fair, like as as much as I love the guy. Because the greatest player in the world, He's, you you always need a supporting cast worthy of uh, winning the Champions League. But um, 
I think the other thing as well, I want to go back to Ali's points that you were talking about, the transfers. Mm-hmm. You know, bad transfers that hit the club pockets happens to every club. Well, you know, look at Real Madrid, for example. You've got um, you know, the Luka Jovic transfer, the Hazard transfer. They haven't exactly worked out. So you, you take those hits and you take those uh, those misses with transfers. And, you know, clubs like um, Man United, Chelsea, all of them have flopped on big money signings. For me, the biggest worry with Barcelona is is the disharmony that permeates throughout the entire club. Like, for example... Uh, this one of the alleged things that Bartomeu did, which led to his res- uh, disgraced uh, exit from the club, was that he hired a social media firm to create bot accounts to slander the players online. Now, what would compel a club president to sort of reach that point where he wants to defend himself by putting the heat on the players for underperforming? And and these aren't even genuine takes from genuine fans. These are just bots having a go. Like it, that to me spells already some sort of uh, sort of drama within the club that doesn't exist if, if Harmony was around. And yeah. in, in terms of the way Messi wants to leave and in terms of the way they've been bottling really, really um, uh, sort of highlight your Champions League uh, knockout rounds like three years in a row, you've got the Roma one, the Liverpool one, the Bayern one, all these humiliations. So many factors around this club, which was once, like everyone used to look at Barcelona with jealousy. Oh my God, their academy is amazing. Their manager is amazing. The style of play... Management is amazing yeah, as well. And the style they're of play... All, Exactly, yeah. Dad. And the style of play was eliciting sort of jealousy across the, the across the globe. How this club can you, you know basically do a one eighty where even like small clubs like a Newcastle or a Brighton or a Blackburn would look at a team like Barcelona and a club like Barcelona and go, well, I, I wouldn't want to be run like that, would I? And, and they've all got like uh, pretty poor ownership. So it's it's not necessarily the transfers. I just feel like it's an amalgamation of everything. And I'm not. I'm not. We're not talking about Barcelona being in the relegation zone or something like it's. It's not that drastic yet, but it, it's just the future outlook is looking incredibly bleak. I don't know what you guys would say to that. Right. This was on ESPN, written by Sid Lowe. Obviously, he's English. He's a, he's a Spanish writer for ESPN. Barcelona's yeah. debt is greater than one, like one billion euros. So you need to figure out how the heck you can get that as well, because that's a lot of money. They probably turn over a billion or two every year. They pay half a billion pound. In uh, to Messi's contract, I'm sure. I'm sure their turnover would uh, accommodate for that that amount of money that is paying for his um, wages. So the uh, in, in yeah, but they're losing some sort of way when Messi goes. They're going to lose a lot of revenue when he goes. That's that's such a big burden lifted over him. Uh, it's project restart for Barcelona, um, and that's that's the thing they have to start working from the yeah. But doubt how much money does Messi make for the league? How much money does Messi make for Barcelona itself? Do you know what I mean? Like that is not necessarily always a bad exactly. thing. It's just how it's managed, isn't it? I mean, that's one thing you always oh, hear. And you know, when when you hear business people speak, so. You know, yeah, maybe they'll save a lot of money on his contract, but you know, I mean, the points that Ali has made are very, very salient. Like salient, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I watch Barcelona mostly for, for Messi. I can't see myself tuning into Barcelona games, um, you know, just to see Barcelona play. Like, I'm not a Barcelona fan at the end of the day, and you've got to wonder how many more people are in that same category. So, and I mean, not to mention his, you know, just the sporting advantages of having Messi on your team. You know, he's probably no longer the outright best player in the world uh, anymore, but, you know, he's still top scorer in the league, you know, creates more chances than anyone. You know, if he was to leave, you know, while he's still this good, you'd really fear for Barcelona even making the Champions League next season. I mean, they're doing pretty well now, aren't they? They're second in La Liga, you know, and we, we bash Barcelona a lot for, you know, how how crap they can play in compa- uh, compared to, a couple, you know, at least three years ago. The 53 points, five points off the top. Uh, Atletico have got uh, 
um, a game in hand, and you 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 think actually it's not that bad compared compared to what it could be, and then compared to on the surface of things, how everything's exploding uh, with Barcelona's um, director and everything. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But how much is that? How much is that down to Messi being you know still an unbelievable footballer? Yeah. I, I kind of agree with Kodama as well here. You need to remember La Liga, obviously, with with the league itself, it'll need it'll need income in there. Like, if you look at League One, I think they're not getting the right sponsorship deals and TV rights right now. What's going to happen in La Liga when Messi goes? You know, Ronaldo went, there's a drop-off. Now, arguably, one of the best players ever, he's going to leave La Liga for possibly the Premier League or League One if he wants to go to Paris. Like that's gonna be a big drop off. You need to remember that it's not just gonna impact Barcelona as a football club. It's gonna affect the whole area of Catalan, and on top of that, it's gonna affect La Liga in general. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it's a scary time for for the, for the club. And like I said before, I mean, the decisions they make now are ultimately the most important because you know, as good as Messi is, and as much as you know, he's had an impact on the league and as well as the club, as well as the entire country of, of Spain. You know, Barcelona was there before Messi. It'll be there after Messi. As cheesy as that sounds, it's just yeah. how they really, you know, go ahead. I mean, if you look at Real Madrid, you know, a lot of people at the time said they let go of Cristiano Ronaldo at the, at the right time, if you remember. And now a lot of people, you know, especially Real Madrid fans, are regretting it, seeing how much his longevity was uh, unexpected. I mean, he's 36, still top scorer, a top five league. So, you know, maybe they'll see Messi leaving as the start of a new era and it might be coming too soon for them. Doug, let me let me basically say this, right? When when Alex Ferguson left Manchester United, how bad was that for the club? Yeah, it was uh, devastating. Right, okay, right. Messi is basically the football version of Sir Alex Ferguson. That's the only way I can get this in your head somehow. So the way Alex Ferguson left your club... You know, it was disarray everywhere. You know, you got Mo- yeah. you got Moisey here. You got that guy from like Full Time Devils or whatever. You know, give, give the job to Giggsy or whatever. You know, <laughs> you have that idiot there. You know, like like it's gonna it's gonna have some implications. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, if if that's gonna happen to a super club like Manchester United, for sure it's gonna happen in Barcelona, and it's even worse because it's on the pitch and you can be losing. I'll be the greatest player right now. Well, it's it, I definitely get your point there. In, in terms of like the, the scary thing for Barcelona, it's not just Messi leaving, but I think it's also how they handle their their finances. I mean, one of the uh, you know they're calling it Barca Gate the, the scandal, and one of the details that came out, which uh, Gold Gold.com reported, was that allegedly. the <laughs> well, yeah, we'll say the allegedly, but it's in the reports of Gold.com, uh, is that the this uh, social media firm that Bartomeu paid. He paid them six times the going rate to make those. Uh, what uh, the heck? So he he not only is he overpaying players, he's even overpaying slandering his players. Like this guy is uh, like, what's he on? Like, does he have? Does he even have the best interest of the club at all, uh, or is he just you know pretty much uh, spearheading their demise? Bartomeu seems to have uh, adopted the uh, Patrick Star method of negotiations, where you know, like some guy like he'd go to buy a product, the guy will tell him it's three dollars, he'll say I've only got five. And then just you know overpay every time you buy something. Man, <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah. Well, I know he he resigned himself, um, but you know he's trying to get people against Messi. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. Like you, you know, going against your own roots. And I know with people who, and I've seen some documentaries and the way the culture is in uh, in Barcelona, um, the football club is the family, 
And I, I felt like this is one of those uh, going against those, you know, like when you see those Italian movies and it's like you're doing something against the your own Italian mob. It's one of those <laughs> things. It's 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 really unho- unheard of. It's like honor bound, basically. It's like you go against honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, absolutely. Like, um, oh, yeah, mm. slanderous. I remember there was like a few years ago where, you know, Bartomeu gave a speech to Harvard Business School or something. You know, so, can someone ring up those students and just, you know, make sure they've forgotten everything from that speech? And I feel like uh, in years to come, there'll be uh, <laughs> studies into how not to run a football club by Bartomeu. I mean, the guy was given, you know, the, Key, the tools to success in every way to run a football club after that period of dominance um, by Barcelona. And I don't, like the speed in which they threw it away, honestly, impressive. No, it's, it's a shame, really, because I think that when, you know, when they won the trouble in 2015 and they had a, a front three of uh, Neymar, Messi and Suarez, I bet you every Barcelona fan couldn't believe their luck that they transitioned from the Guardiola era to still having so much to look forward to and enjoy. And just a couple of years later, or two or three years later, it's all gone to shit. Like, I, I, I mean, by the way, I'm not going to be here and, and you know play a violin for Barcelona yeah, because the, the amount of success that <laughs> the amount of success that their fans have gotten to experience is like I, I would take a, a tenth of it. Not only that, I mean, like not only just, that, look, like yeah. even two seasons ago they were in a Champions League semi final and they, um, I mean, three seasons ago they won the league. Like two seasons ago they won the league. You know, if this is your dark period as a football club, I mean, you know, cry me a river. Like, yeah, it's a it's a elite football club, yeah. but. I mean, they've still got so much to show for their efforts in recent years. Even as, like, you know, they're playing a semi-final yeah. of the domestic cup right now. I mean, as a Newcastle fan, a semi-final of the domestic cup would be, you know, best season ever. So, yeah, I mean, maybe we're, we're too biased, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I can't really feel too sorry for them. Well, I think it's been it's been bubbling up for a while. I don't know if you guys remember Sandro Russell, the guy who was there before um Bartimeu and he 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 did a lot of dodgy yeah. things. He ended up in Sorry. jail as well. Yeah, yeah, because of the what the Neymar transfer, what happened with Dembele's transfer is a little bit um allegedly some stuff going on over there. A lot of the finances possibly and in this case Ali you might agree um might have started with you know things at, in in his presidency presidency that have trickled through and those type of practices that really um, are the short-term thinking, uh, you know, while while he was in his presidency to see how things would go through and not really caring much about the the finance aspect of trying to maintain the football club at a high level while also not going into debt. Personally speaking, I think Barcelona have screwed themselves a few times in the past as well. It's just not the first time. Like, years ago when obviously we were kids, you know, remember when... Um, when Madrid got Luis Figo mm-hmm. and they, they were like, okay, like the Barcelona, I think president at that time was saying, I could I obviously don't know the actual story, but this is what I remember by memory from what I read was like, you're going to see a Barcelona, you know, if you have his release calls, nothing's going to happen. You know, uh, what what you call him? The Real Madrid president, what's he called? Oh, Florentino Perez. Yeah, man like Perez, right? He, he, he gets a president election, he wins, Figo's in. Similar thing happened with David Beckham. I remember when obviously the whole shoe boot thing came with War Fergie and Bex, uh, you know, because he's a bit of a diva like his Mrs. Victoria. You know, there were some issues there. And, you know, he was meant to go Barcelona. That didn't happen. Madrid just swooped in there whilst he can. So it's not the first time Barcelona have screwed themselves over. They've done it many times. Do it off the field, do it on the field, get slapped up by Liverpool, Roma, and Bayern, you know, back to back. So what can you expect, man, from a club like this? I mean, just to sort of uh, wrap up the Barcelona segment, I just wanted to ask you guys two questions. Now, one, 
Can you see Barcelona being a Europa League team or worse in just a couple of seasons' time? That's the first question. Uh, no. no, as long as Messi is there. I like how Ali went at, at the beginning of the segment. He said they could do a Portsmouth. <laughs> and, and now they're not even going to drop below the Champions League. You know why I said that though? It, it depends. It depends on the quality of La Liga. It depends if teams like Sociedad, Bilbao, Betis, Sevilla can challenge for the title. If they're competing with Barcelona, it might be a bit different. You I know, mean, that still changes. You know, do I look you, like you Mr. Meg? Do I look like what's Mystic Meg? Do I have like a ball and I could like predict the future or something? I'm just saying. Well, you make predictions you know I mean? uh, Saying they could be a Portsmouth, that's a, that's a big prediction, you know. <laughs> I didn't say they could be like Portsmouth. There's a possibility it can happen. There's a possibility the whole La Liga look, could be shut there's, down. There's a possibility. I mean, I, I'm going to slap you, silly. Right. I feel like it's uh, not going to happen because I still love you. It's all right, man. Look, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Ali, we all know you. Ali, we all know you're going to predict him to, to win the treble by the end of the podcast, to be honest. Do, 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 <laughs> do, do, do you want to do that? I've already got the bets on. No, no but in all seriousness, it, ju- it, does de- it does depend on, obviously, the actual future of La Liga. If, you know, if it's going to be a drop of a Barcelona or Sevilla, yeah. obviously, be a lot more competitive. Same with Betis, Sociedad, Bilbao. You know, there's quality teams in La Liga. If Messi is there, they'll scrape top four every season for the next two seasons, at least. If Messi leaves the end of this season... I mean, the competition in La Liga, it's not nothing to laugh at. I mean, look at Sevilla, uh, look well, at Tegui. I mean, look at, um, you know, Villarreal and the Emery. All, all these teams around them improving. Real Sociedad. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned I'm glad you mentioned Messi because that was the second question that I had to wrap up the Barca segment is, can you see Messi still being there next season? So the no. 21-22 season, will Messi be a Barcelona player? He's gone, man. He's so far gone. It depends on the presidential situation. Uh, my answer to the first question is: I, I genuinely can't be, see them being in the Europa League in two seasons' time. It's, it's, it's not like they're not one, one of the best squads right now, but it's just it's the finances really. I feel like if if the if the player sales come through, if the manager's not good enough, you know, it's it's not an unfeasible outcome. And as for Messi, I think he still will be there. To be honest, I feel like he's so expensive, like not not from a transfer fee point of view, because he's going to be a free agent, but everything else that comes with him, that possibly PSG or Man City are destinations, but. It's the loyalty and the story of it all, really. Like, if Barcelona fix up and get a board that can can make the right promises and and sort of steer them towards a positive outlook again, I can see Messi staying and committing to that just to sort of be the image of the new the new era. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes with with that one. And Barcelona will definitely be one of the most interesting clubs to keep an eye on in the next couple of years or so. Um, just getting into our final podcast. Uh, sorry, final podcast. Don't worry, there'll be many more episodes to come. The final segment of tonight's podcast, at least. Um, you know, always would like to sort of hit you guys up with something a bit more casual from time to time. And today's is going to be a five-a-side team of your choice, um, but it's going to be fictional characters. So which fictional characters would make your five-a-side team? And I'll open the floor. Who wants to go first and give us their air side? I'll go ahead, sure. Right. So in in net, let's start with the uh, in net. I, th- I feel like you really want someone who can, you know, stretch themselves and basically cover the the entire net. So, you know, last girl from the, the Incredibles, you know, the mum. You know, I feel like, you know, put her in net, yeah. you know, like <laughs> someone whips it like with insane curve. Like she'll just, you know, extend their arm out. That's, you know, no goals happening there. In defence, you just want uh, someone who can, you know, really use their strength. So who else are you going to look at besides the Hulk? Do you know what I mean? Like that guy... <laughs> trying to go for a 50-50 with, with the Hulk. I mean, you're probably going to end up in the in the stands, you know. Didn't he, um, didn't he already play for Paul? <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> actually, it took me a second. I was like, when the hell did the Hulk play football? <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, a deleted scene in one of his movies. I was like Bruce Banner has uh, <laughs> been on a journeyman career, man. Uh, but yeah, uh, who else? For you know that speedy winger, uh, Quicksilver from the X Men. You know, like you know, if, if you think Mbappe is fast, wait until Quicksilver's uh, trying to get on the end of a of a pass. And uh, I know we said fictional characters, so aliens count. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, Lionel M- Messi. Because that guy, <laughs> like that. That guy, yeah, yeah man, that guy's out of the sword. Exactly. <laughs> and then... Uh, I... I thought you were going to do Megamind. Megamind. Yeah. Megamind. Now, Vin... uh, I don't know, has Qadema got Vincent Company as backland? <laughs> 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 oh, wow. Wow. Poor guy. The disrespect. Poor guy. Put some respect. If any of these... Pl- if any of these players are listening, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to. No, don't worry. I, I don't. I don't. Think, I don't <laughs> think the Incredible Hulk listens. Uh, I don't think headphones are, you know, big enough to fit on his head. That. <laughs> right. So. Man, he would smash. Bluetooth signal with the um wireless uh, AirPods because so, his head's so big they're so far away from each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I feel like uh, for a you know dic- dictator of tempo in uh, the midfield, I'm going to put Albus Dumbledore. I feel like that guy he was so good at manipulating people. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you've read the book, you know what if you read the book. It's why I'm yeah. Why are you laughing? <laughs> why? Because of the mental image of him wearing a football thing. <laughs> Loki, I'm surprised. Who's that guy in the background? <laughs> I thought I thought we'd have Severus Snape. He's the actually the most loyal one, even though he looks like Judas for, <laughs> from majority of the movies. <laughs> Yeah, you could uh, master of the dark arts, right? So you could be giving away professional fouls, you know, without getting a yellow card for for a whole season. But uh, the reason I'm picking Dumbledore is because if you've read the books, that guy is low key one of the most manipulative people you ever see. Man, he gets Harry to do all this fucking messed up shit, and he's just uh, sitting up in this tower while these like eleven year old uh, children are out there fighting three headed dogs. Like, what are you doing, mate? Like, I feel like he'd be good. At, I feel like he'd be good at dictating the play. Uh, and, and for a striker, I, I don't really know. It's a bit of a hard one. I guess you want someone who's just like completely ruthless. So, I mean, you know, think of uh, someone who's going to haunt the defender's nightmares. So I'm, I'm going to go with Freddy Krueger, you know, like uh, literally Nightmare nightmare on Elm Street, right? That guy lives and haunts people in their dreams. And you just want that to terrorize the opposition defenders. So he's, he's going to be up top for me. And the, the way you described uh, Dumbledore, I feel like um, Hogwarts would have failed its Ofsted inspection, really, if they ever had one. Letting little kids fighting against dogs. And I mean, what now, that's that? it. At the end of the movie, Harry comes in. He's like, "Yeah, he did well, mate." Like, I mean, what were you doing? You're like, "What's the greatest?" Fifty points for Gryffindor. <laughs> it's like a fifty points for Gryffindor. Is like a, when you give your striker a goal bonus on FM. <laughs> oh well. All right. Um, who else wants to give their team? Ali, have you got yours lined up? Um, I haven't really thought of it, but let's go over it, man. I'm just gonna think of it as we go. Um, and goal. I'll put Black Panther in there. Yeah, Black Panther there. He's agile. He's quick. He's got those hands. You know, rest in peace to my man, Chadwick Bosman, man. Rest in peace to him. So get him in there. You know, he's got that vibranium in him. He's me slapping people silly anyways. <laughs> you know, in defense, in defense, fuck the Hulk. I got Red Hulk. What are you going to do? <laughs> you know, so I'll have the Red Hulk. He'll, he'll fuck the Green Hulk because, you know, red better than green anyway. So who gives a crap? In midfield, I might, I don't know. Um, I was thinking 
I mentioned earlier in the group chat, uh, Doctor Strange or Scarlet Witch, you know, they can manipulate stuff. But, you know, just for the women out there, let's put Scar- Scarlet Witch in there. Why not? You know, <laughs> uh, how many players have I said there? You had three. Three. Right, I got two. I got two more, right? Okay, right. Let's get this right. Okay. My two strikers, you're going to have everyone's friendly neighborhood friend, Spider Man. You know, he's quick, he's friendly, he gets the job done. And playing alongside him, we're going to have the god, the Norse god, for, you know, you just look at look at the size of him. Look where Chris Hansen plays him. Man, he is a built man. He's your equivalent of Cristiano Ronaldo. That's just what I'm saying right now. You know, so man, if if you had to play Ronaldo in a movie, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a great job. But like how mus- muscular he is, freaking heck. You know, um, that's my top five. Uh, my my five side. If I had to have a coach, I'd I'd probably put Voldemort in there. You know, just to make it a bit dodgy. Why not? Yeah, go on. I mean. We've already seen Voldemort's impact in the Premier League. Well, he failed. He failed in the I can see Voldemort leading the line for Simeone. You know, I feel like he'd be a classic Atletico player, man. Just absolutely dark arts and all that. I feel like Spider Man would be uh, better for uh, in goal. Like literally, any any shot that's out of his reach, he just swing a web and it'll stop it on the goal line. Like I, I, was, thinking, I was thinking between I was thinking between Spider Man or Black Panther. But I can't want to put Black Panther in there. I thought you know he, he's a bit taller. He has that reach. And I don't know. He could just he could like take the ball out, like he'll pop the ball yeah. if he's not happy. So there you go. I don't um I don't have a five personally, but I'll give you one who's going to be my ball winning midfielder, which is going to be Mister Incredible, because I feel like Mister Incredible's on the ball, like he's just going to bounce off him. He can just stand in the middle, get people to bounce off him until everyone's knackered, and just uh, tap it in the net when when everyone's done. Get, get Dash <laughs> on the wing, man. Then you'll have the Incredibles. You mean uh, Matt Ritchie on the wing? <laughs> <laughs> Either him or Scott McTominay. I'm not sure which one's more dash like these days. Oh man, <laughs> they're both dash. Dowdy, you got both one? Gash. You got any? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, are you gonna give your whole five, or are nah. you just gonna do the one? Yeah, just the one for me. Uh, well, okay. I I thought I thought um, I actually agree with you. Uh, Spider Man and Net, just because of the versatility. But then I would probably get. Um, Ash Ketchum uh, for the corners because he's got to catch oh, all. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about Blastoise in the fence. Oh. Yeah. Right, so I know you guys said uh, Hulk, uh, but uh, you know, I, I I went for Godzilla to be honest with you. You know, I know there's but, a new movie coming. Look, 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 look. There's always King, movies about King Kong's going to be Godzilla. Godzilla. King Kong's going to belly bounce him, man. Sorry, King, King Kong will belly bounce Godzilla away. Oh man, I should put King Kong in instead of Blastoise and Red Hulk. Sorry, they can make the subs <laughs> mention. Well, yeah, that's the oh. thing. So, Hulk versus Godzilla, who's going to win? Hulk, 100%. Yeah. Godzilla's a bit boring, though. I don't like him. You know who would be good to have in your squad? Uh, the genie from Aladdin. Because every time he gets booked, he can just look like someone else on the next attack. That's where he gets confused. <laughs> I'll never remember who he was. <laughs> I'm starting to think these pitches are going to need uh, like I've the, the grounds are hanging, man. Imagine trying to come in a half time to saw any like uh, scuffs in the pitch when Godzilla's been on a, on a run down the wing. <laughs> Yeah, big enough pitch. Um, so I've all, I've also got um, Superman. Obviously, I just think he's just an all rounder, uh, very versatile. If you looked at his FIFA ratings, he's ninety nine. Everything vision. Huh? I'm saying, remember Jan Vertonghen with the Superman celebrations back when he used to score for Spurs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he used to actually drive down down the wing, well, up up as a fullback. The thing about Superman as well is that he will give you the the most aesthetically pleasing diving headers of all time, like the most horizontal diving header you could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> with Superman. Yeah, 
and then I was thinking, I need someone with a lot of utility, someone with a lot of um, knowledge and someone who can like think you know, on the ball and is very resourceful. I was thinking Batman, but then I thought Dwight Schrute from uh, The Office. <laughs> he, that guy... <laughs> Very resourceful. <laughs> to be fair, do you know what I mean? If you watch The Office, that guy somehow knows everybody and anybody to get anything, man. So yeah, I'd probably play Dwight Schrute. To be fair, um, uh, that's probably my most serious. Part. No, Dwight Schrute is uh, the kind of player that makes me think like he would play with a tucked-in shirt into his shorts like a Lee Carmel. Like I can imagine him just you know like looking like a player. Oh yeah, I mean he's literally a farmers league footballer. Let's be honest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he <laughs> fit into Lee one perfectly. And then the last player is um, Optimus Prime, just because of the versatility, you know, when it becomes football or when it becomes Rocket League, yeah. either the one, <laughs> um, you know, he, he's suited for both of them. So, yeah, those are mine. Okay. I mean, you know, for, for all of our teams, I will nominate uh, the manager to be Steve Bruce because it's about as fictional as it gets that he's in charge of a football club. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> the guy and his tactics... So, you know, we've all got our manager. He can just be on the sideline instructing them all, uh, you know, to, to do... Go on, Joe. That, that's what you've got to be doing. That's the typical Steve Bruce instructions. So he's the perfect manager for all these teams. And... Uh, yeah. Well, I, well, I mean, uh, uh, Porky, Porky Pig, do you know what I mean? He's, he's, uh, he's based on him, isn't he? <laughs> or is he actually a real-life <laughs> To be honest, with the amount of commotion that's going to be happening on the pitch, I feel like Steve Bruce is the only manager, like, in, in world football that has a voice loud enough to penetrate that, so... Be the only one to get his instructions across, and yet he wasn't able to instruct Newcastle's players to mark up properly for the goal they conceded against Wolves. Because, um, I don't know why I'm going into a serious football discussion out of nowhere with this segment, but when when Emil Kraft came off injured against Wolves, yeah, go on, I will. When Emil Kraft came off injured against Wolves, obviously, you've lost your right back, you, you need to do a reshuffle. So he puts on Jacob Murphy, right? And Jacob Murphy's been playing right wing back in, in certain occasions, and when your right back comes off, that's the natural place for him. Where does he go when he steps onto the pitch? He goes left wing. Hayden has to drop in right back. Now uh, the midfield and the defence is all, all over the place. They they put across Ruben Neves, a really you know not the kind of guy that you'd expect to dominate aerially, and he scores a header. So the yeah the, the Steve Bruce communication he can be as loud as he wants to be, but um, if he's not good enough to communicate, then you know Newcastle end up suffering for it. But I'll, I'll end the Newcastle se- section there. All right. Um, thanks a lot for that one, lads. Has anyone got anything else they just want to discuss in general about football that's happened this week or anything? Any other section for anyone else? No, but I did want to say for all the talk we talked about, where we spoke about Barcelona's demise, they are up 1-0 against Sevilla right the second. So, you know, shows how much we know. All right, Dowd, wrap us up, please, as always. Um, so, yeah, guys, uh, thanks for the, this week's episode again. Um, follow us on... Uh, on Facebook with the, the dressing room where you can find out where we post um, our episodes uh, you know, first you'll, uh, and you'll, you can find us on YouTube, the dressing room where we're posting videos as well um, please like, comment, subscribe and share it to your family and friends um, let us know in the comment section in YouTube or on the Facebook group or even email us on the dressing room 9 at gmail.com um, and we're also on Instagram. So yeah, uh, TD Room 9, find us all there. And that's a wrap for this week. So thank you Bring again. Take care. Thank you.